0: I'm going to give the people what they want.
1: Sensation, horror, shock. Well, you don't have to spit in my eye, do you? Now, let's do this a little faster. Yes, that's it. Throw it away.
0: I want you to get naked so you can tell
2: me the truth about my money.
0: Have you ever heard anything so awful? Welcome to the cult movies podcast my name is anthony king and i am joined by half of my lovely co-hosts from the correct coast it is
1: Vinny to cherry how are you i'm good good very good um excited
0: what's what's the weather like right now
1: uh it's like 20 degrees windy did
0: you guys get snow you You guys have gotten a little snow. bit yeah. okay
1: yeah, a little bit of snow here and there. We haven't
0: gotten any snow, and I'm not complaining. But whatever. Um, yeah, someone no complaints. right, right. Uh, that this podcast is all about author and critic and historian Danny Perry and his cult movies, books, and we will discuss a movie from the first book and then offer up some pairing recommendations in the second half of the program. And joining us to wrap up season number four. Is someone who uh has the opposite of snow right now because it's summertime down there. It's Lindsay Wilkins from Schlokana. Hi, Lindsay. How are you?
2: Hey Anthony. Hey Vinny, uh thanks for having me on. Uh yeah, you uh Anthony just told me like two minutes before we started that I'm this is the finale, so I am quietly uh shitting bricks right. Now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, we um we're very excited and I have a feeling this is probably how it's going to go because now tradition says we need quote the group to open the season right Daniel yes. Matt who uh, wussed out on us last time and you uh, and then you're gonna cap the season off gavel Excellent. that's that's the ruling every that's season the ruling? I like it <laughs> we get a we get a bookend of Lindsay Wilkins uh, so I'm very excited And this is the movie that uh, the movie we're talking about tonight is interesting. I can't believe it's taken this long. Now, uh, we have in season five, which will come in, I don't know, March-ish, April, we're going to hit the last 20 movies, 21 movies of the first book, which is incredibly exciting. Um, But I still can't believe this movie uh, hasn't been talked about yet. So... Uh, let's get right into it. Lindsay, what are we talking about this week?
2: We are talking about the seminal comedy, uh, which every single time I've been coming on, I've been eyeing it off to make sure it hasn't been taken. And that is, uh, the Marx Brothers duck soup from 1933.
0: Okay. Uh, right off the bat until preparations for this episode, duck soup is the only Marx Brothers movie I had seen and to be quite frank uh i didn't love it i thought it was funny um (laughs) but you know so many people love this movie and so i didn't love it the first time i saw it and then i uh watched three or four other marx brothers movies uh in preparation for this and uh I still don't love Duck Soup compared to wow. like out of the I four out of the four that I've seen.
2: You're
0: this a is wild card. this is number four for me. So let's start there with you, Lindsay. Mm. What is your favorite Marx Brothers movie?
2: Oh, it's Duck Soup. It, I'm very boring. Uh, this is my. <laughs> I've had a shit day at work. I go home and I watch an hour and ten minutes of Duck Soup. Um, I do, I, yeah, I also watched a whole bunch, um, just to get ready for this, uh, just the ones I hadn't seen, like, uh, Horse Feathers and I think Monkey Business, they've all kind of rolled into one for me now of just them going around causing havoc. Um, but this is the movie I tend to, um, yeah, I go home and and really watch, uh, though I will say if you ever watched Night of the Opera, the, um, cabin scene and the two boiled egg scene is probably the funniest thing they've ever done. It's just not in- in duck soup so um but that is a that's one of their later movies
0: uh okay Vinny, what's your favorite marx brothers movie
1: uh it's either gonna be duck soup or uh day at the races I'm um, a oh. huge huge fan of a day at the races not day a lot of people like that one as much but that's i think that's the first one that i saw okay so that's always mm-hmm. had a special spot for me and it makes me laugh every single time the same joke makes me laugh every single time just one sequence of that movie is just perfect mm-hmm.
0: And that looks uh to be a little later. That's thirty-seven. Yeah. So yes, interesting. MGM. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh yeah. So I've only seen four. Uh duck soup, night at the opera, animal crackers and monkey business. Um I like all four. I love two of them. I think a night at the opera, I really, really love. And it's interesting. Um I'll read something from Danny here in a second, but what, like, my favorite part of a Marx Brothers movie, uh, you know, because each movie, like you're saying, Lindsay, they all kind of blend into one, mm. um, and they follow the same beats, uh, which is fine by me because those beats work, the structure works, their comedy is fucking hysterical. Uh, but the one thing, my favorite thing about the Marx Brothers isn't in Duck Soup, and in in Danny's essay, he says... Uh, that's why he really loves Duck Soup, because we don't get the little musical thing where Harpo's playing the harp and Chico's playing the piano. And I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm a musician, or I I don't know what it is. I fucking love it when each of them gets to show off their... And and then you do the research and realize, oh, they're they're obviously really playing. Mm. And and the talent of this family is uh, frankly sickening. Um, But... Before we go any further, let me read just a little thing from Danny. And here's the funny thing: the thing I'm going to read isn't even really from Danny. He quotes somebody. So uh, he says, "Most significant for the only time in in film, the Marx Brothers, whose comedy has often been defined by their anarchist tendencies when they are involved with any institution, are appropriately allowed to run amuck in a political setting." And that's what I don't love about this. In uh, Where in The Money, uh, a book about the Depression and its films, Andrew Bergman attributed Duck Soup's failure to find an audience in 1933 to a belief that a year into the New Deal, Americans, because of understandable psychological needs, wouldn't allow themselves to think of the government they were counting on to save them from financial ruin or worse as absurd. But when Duck Soup caught on in the 60s with people in despair over the state of America and the direction it was heading, it made perfect sense that a picture would portray war in terms of absolute madness and treat politics with complete disdain. And I feel like we're at that place probably in the world now where most, fuck, I don't know, many people are tired of political discourse, are tired of war, are tired of waking up every day, you know, dreading what's next, right? Dreading turning on the news. People like me who don't even look at the news, because I just don't want to know. Um, and But I don't even want to see... Like, I don't even really care for political satire. So that's why I don't love Duck Soup. I really like Duck Soup, because it has, like, the... The greatest Marx Brothers gag, and the the mirror gag, um, and I mean, every time I've seen that gag, just I mean, hysterical in tears. I'm I'm sobbing. I'm wheezing. It's it's it gets me every time. It's so freaking funny. Um, but like the ending when they get to the the war stuff, it is it it's absurd. Uh, but I'm just like, eh, not for me. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I think I think it's too too stupid. Not even silly. I think it's too stupid. Um, but Lindsay, what is your history? When was the first time you experienced the comedy stylings of the Marx brothers?
2: Uh, about ten years ago, it was actually with a night at the opera was the first Marx Brothers movie I ever saw. I um borrowed a We moved to a new place. There was a library that had DVDs. I just went nuts and got uh, Night of the Opera, I think, accidentally slipped in there. Um, And I loved it. And so I, yeah, I think I sought out uh, Duck Soup. And the first time I watched it, I didn't even click that it was an anti-war movie. Uh, I just saw the mirror gag. I saw um, Harpo being a maniac and just snipping things in half with scissors and not understanding (laughs) what he was doing at all Uh, into Zeppo walks in with half a hat. I thought it was the funniest thing ever. Um, It was just these really quick one-liners about this kind of weird Princeton weird kind of thing in Europe. Um, It actually took a couple of watches until, because I kept forgetting that they go to war at the end, like it just, it just completely slipped my mind. Um, It took me a few watches to realize, oh wait, this is an anti-war movie. What? 1930? Interesting. So yeah, it took a bit, uh, for me to sort of click onto that, like I was just enjoying the gags in it, and then finally clicked onto the fact, oh, there's some actually pretty smart anti anti-govern- government, anti war sentiment going on in this movie. And a time, yeah, where as Danny points out, no one wanted it at all. It's like the Scarlet Empress and my love for that movie. No one wanted to watch a movie about um, <laughs> Catherine the Great and her political sexual machinations at all.
0: <laughs> uh, Vinny, what about you? What's your history with the Marx brothers?
1: Yeah, uh, just leaving my TV on TCM in like middle school, high school, and it just came on one time, and I had heard of them. Uh, same with like Three Stooges and Charlie Chaplin and any kind of like early comedy stuff. I was always interested in just watching it, and it was Day at the Races, and I loved it. So I sought it out after that point, and I I think I've seen all this stuff, but big fan.
0: Yeah, um, and you. Uh, when you, when Vinny, when you rewatched duck soup for this, you watched it with your son.
1: Yeah. First time he watched and, it.
0: And talk, talk about that experience real quick. Yeah.
1: So he's 10 and I said to him, I said, we're going to watch a movie. I want you to pay full attention. It's not very long. Let me know what you think. Uh, he was cracking up, uh, almost everything. Uh, he gets a little nervous about it. He goes, Is this a comedy. I go, Oh buddy, it's, it's pure comedy. There's no. Like anything else is your it's just to make you laugh um he was cracking up he kept having me rewind it go back watching gags over and over again uh kept asking why they were doing things and then he finally realized it doesn't matter why they're doing it it's just that they're doing it yeah, so yeah i mean I've, i haven't seen him laugh that hard from a movie especially one that's like 90 years old um so that was really really nice that he comedy worked for him completely and uh he he says it's his favorite movie now and uh, he wants he's actually watching it right now in the other room so yeah he's i said they have other movies i have their other movies and he goes i just want to watch this one for now I'm like, okay <laughs> but he'll be he'll be taking a deep dive i'm guessing this year
0: oh that's great to hear man from uh from godzilla one year to the marx brothers yeah. the next still, still, i was about godzilla. to say
2: yeah
1: <laughs> still godzilla yeah right has not been dethroned yet <laughs> um
0: so let's see here where where to begin with the Marx brothers. Um Lindsay, do you have so after I I sort of, you know, binged, quote unquote, binged four Marx brothers movies, I I walked away with a favorite brother. Do you have a favorite Marx brother?
2: It switches. I think mostly it's it's Groucho just because he's uh just the more quick-witted, just firing on all cylinders, you know. Um will you marry me are you wealthy wait reverse those questions um i can see you bending <laughs> over the fire pl- the, the stove i can no longer see the stove uh he's he's just he's so quick um and he's not really i don't think he's not really improvising i mean a uh, march brothers set was incredibly chaotic especially at, at paramount but it he he just his delivery is so quick that you, you miss things so yeah it's like your son's rewinding things it's like wait what was he what was he actually saying oh oh shit that's really dirty um mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Yeah. So I think it, it usually go. I mean, as much as I love um, Harpo and uh, Chico, um, I think it usually goes back to Groucho. <laughs> uh,
0: what about you, Vinny?
1: Oh, it's yeah, it's all three. It's the three. I mean, I mean, not to throw Zeppo out like that, but honestly, he was he was mostly just a straight man. But right. yeah, the three of them. It's just a combination. You got everything with the three of them, and I couldn't imagine them without the others. So, although Harpo was on I Love Lucy. Doing just his Harpo shtick, and it's still pretty funny. Mm. So but yeah, I like right. the combination of the three. You get all, all facets of comedy. All you really
0: mm. Yeah, you really do. I get um I, I I I walked away kind of loving uh Harpo's um just anarchic style, and especially in duck soup, that really comes through with the with the right the lemonade vendor and we'll I, lemonade just i mean fucking up this guy's life basically it will not his life his livelihood um and there's man i i always wondered how how what were the reactions of the people who were uh acting or reacting against harpo marx because when he would hit shit out of people's i mean he would wind up and he would knock that shit out of out of that guy's hand and i always it's uh it's chaotic it's anarchic it's uh uh it seems dangerous and of course you know movies from this time a lot of them always seem kind of dangerous um but i really like and i think it's i'm fascinated by mime work uh, and clown work and you know that's that was Harpo's his thing right he was he was the mime uh never spoke and to be able to do uh or tell a story uh be a character do all these things without saying one word ever i mean i i still have never heard marco or uh, harpo marks speak before um and, you know, he has these those times when when he turns to the camera and his eyes are just bulging and he's got this huge toothy smile. That's like one of those dangerous moments where like, oh, this guy is is, is he really psychotic? And uh, I really like that. <laughs> I love questioning whether Harpo Marx was psychotic or not. Uh,
2: he but- is. He Yeah, he's, he's deranged on screen. I absolutely love it like he is he feels like the one that will actually kill you i mean i know they're all playing kind of psychopaths but <laughs> he's the one especially when he's a pair of scissors he's just like cutting yeah. things in half for no reason i'm like oh no he, he's gonna he knows where the bodies are buried
0: <laughs> yeah the the scissors gag is very very funny when they're you know with the uh their their boss that hires them to be the spies and he's cutting the the coattails off um uh what else Vinny? What, what do you love about duck soup? Oh, actually, you know what? Let, hold on for a second. Let me talk about, let's talk about the politics thing real quick. Uh, so I I've already said my piece, it's not my favorite part of the movie and it brings it down a couple notches. Um, uh, that said it seems like, uh, it, it's an evergreen type of movie. It will be forever relevant. Um, Do you still see it as uh, as biting as it was then today in 2022, Lindsay? Uh,
2: Yeah, I think the fact that uh, hang on, let me just grab her name before I actually butcher it and forget. Um, Margaret Dumas, because this is about a tiny little state that is kind of um, relies on this multimillionaire uh to cover its um its debts and so they can take on loans so they can lower taxes and she insists well if I'm going to give you another loan you need to put in this uh Firefly guy um to run it who is not interested at all in running um a country he's more interested in trying to get into Dumont's um pants so he can um inherit her wealth so it's that kind of million <laughs> millionaire culture I think really kind of um up to the screen this time I'm like oh wait just millionaires throwing their money around demanding, Oh, you need to do this and it's not necessarily in um it's not what matters was good for the country. It's actually just what she wants. Um, even though she is just the ultimate Marx Brothers straight man. But it, it is um and I love her so much. I especially in this movie. But um yeah, that was that's the first bit. I'm like, oh hang on a minute, this seems way too familiar.
0: <laughs> you know, I feel like Margaret uh, Dumont plays so well off of uh, Groucho, I had to go and look to see if they were actually married because their mm-hmm. chemistry is so, and, and the chemistry, but I think what's most important in, in the comedy stuff is the timing. Mm-hmm. So Groucho marks one of the like quickest mm-hmm. comics. Right. But Margaret Dumont keeps up with him and in, in all the, you know, cause she's in all of them. Right. Mm-hmm. And so in all four, she doesn't miss a, beat against Groucho, one of the fastest comics in the history of comedy. And she doesn't miss a beat as the straight man. And then you get this, uh, uh, bless his heart, but Zeppo as, and I like how it's, uh, it's almost as if the three other brothers were like, yeah, come on. We, you know, we love our kid brother. We want him to come and play with us too. And they wanted to include him, and how how uh, Groucho always said, if one of us ever got sick, he could step in, and do our thing. And I I wholly believe that um, because there are glimmers of his comedy, especially in uh, Monkey Business. Is that the cruise ship one? Yes. No, yeah. He
2: gets a little yeah. bit more to do in the in the in Monkey Business. Yeah. Whatever um, the cruise ship one is.
0: <laughs> yeah. Which I, Yeah. Is it Vinny? Do you know is. I think it's, I think it's monkey business I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, Animal looking. Is, yeah, stowaways. Yep. Yep. Monkey yeah, business my, yeah. is the stowaways. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so, uh, you have like the, the two straight players between <clears throat> Zeppo and Margaret Dumont. Um, and, and just, I mean, I, I was in awe during all four movies watching Margaret Dumont uh, match wits with her scene partner, Groucho Marx, of all people. So, is yeah, pretty pretty remarkable. Um, what was the initial question? <laughs>
2: I can't remember.
0: Uh, it's been a long time, uh, folks.
2: Um, Whatever. what stood out to you this time around in terms of the, I guess, the political allegory? I think. it Oh, was. The,
0: yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Vinny, is it like do do you? watch uh duck soup for uh sort of the political satire that's in there or do you are you just watching for the the brothers gags yeah,
1: I don't i don't watch it for the satire i like that the marx village made a political satire and i like that sure. their basic their basic message is hey this is how easy idiots can be in charge because <laughs> you know i mean there's there they, he finds out he's a spy and he gives him the job of secretary of war like it's <laughs> like it's very uh yeah it's it's not as like specific to one particular political event it's just right how countries are run in general mm. um yeah yeah but i I, don't, I think like proven by my son i think it completely stands the test of time i think that everything that's funny then is still funny now i mean harbo being a pervert works uh <laughs> i mean how horny is there. this guy it, it's so good. right yeah and you and you forget that it's pre I forgot it was pre-code, and I'm watching it. and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah this is pre-code. They're actually like chasing girls in their like panties like this is this is actually, yeah, this is before <laughs> before they gonna do that. um, so it's a, not like you know, it's not racy or anything, but right, not not something that they would put like ten years later uh what do you okay, do you guys
0: either of you? like or uh disdain the the musical moments that i really love when uh chico and harpo do their thing in the other movies do you guys like those moments
1: i don't know i love numbers. them mm. yeah my okay. biggest issue with the with like with the studios in the earlier films is that they were forcing it in romantic storylines mm. and uh it's just uncalled for it's not needed They 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 wanted them to have the romances and the comedy oh, yeah. doesn't really have room for a romance like the romances in this one are, you know, it's um, Margaret Dumont lusting after one character and or Harpo lusting after anyone like it's just like these like <laughs> sort of unrequited love for comedic effect. But when they used to like shoehorn in these like actual people in love, it just didn't fit with the, like the pure anarchy of the Marx Brothers. So I have no, I have no issue with the musical though.
0: Um, the other thing I don't love about this is that they're, um, now I'll, I'll start by saying this, the Marx brothers, all four, um, extremely talented. Okay. Um, they all could sing, uh, some better than others. Two of them were absolute masterful musicians, Uh, And then, of course, the the comedic timing of of all of them. Um, I also don't love the musical numbers in this movie either. Um, And which is funny because like in I'm pulling it up again, you know, a night at the opera. There's a few musical numbers um, and. And maybe in monkey business, there's one or two like where actual singing night, the opera, mm. obviously, because it's, it's the opera. Yeah. Um, and so it makes more sense here. It's just, you know, uh, in, for instance, in a night, at the opera, when Groucho is singing, he's doing that thing with his legs when well, my camera doesn't show, but you like it, it's almost like his his knee uh, is he's at his dislocated. Knee it looks a bit. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like he's swinging the bottom half of his leg around and that thing he does and it's so fucking funny. Uh but he doesn't do that here and I miss that when he's singing. Um and so you know the again these are minor quibbles uh I have with Duck Soup because it's it's still uh, brilliantly funny. Um but yeah, the, like the music stuff I don't love in this
1: movie. Have have you seen uh At the Circus? Did you watch that one yet? No. Okay. No. No, I haven't a, seen that
2: one either. Yeah. There's a
1: song in that one. You both should watch that movie. Um Yeah. Just for the song alone. There's a song called Lydia the Tattooed Lady. Okay. Uh you can look up just the musical number on YouTube. Um that is I think the perfect Marx Brothers musical number because it really yeah. just focuses on the absurdity of the lyrics mostly. Sure. And then everyone's just having a good time with it. So I think you, you should check that one out. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's from At the Circus. Um, but yeah, Lydia the Tattoo Lady. If you're on, if you want to search on YouTube for that one, okay. But yeah, that's that. I think that's that's more of a musical number that you will enjoy. I believe
0: Kenny Baker is in At the Circus. R two D two. Kenny Baker is that Kenny Baker? No, no, I it can't be. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Kenny. Can- <laughs> Okay. R2 D two in a Mark Burris movie. Um, I'm
1: like doing the math on that one. I'm like, no, he'd be like seven Right. Yeah. When, when, uh, Star right. Wars yeah. So, um
0: yeah, you, you know, this year because I I did my I wrote my article for my column for F this movie and I did my movie goals, right? And uh said that um shit, Vinny, what's your name? Uh remember my name? Geraldine
1: Chaplin. Geraldine Chaplin, mm-hmm. Is, sorry
0: is going to be, thank you, Vinny, is yeah. going to be my most watched actor of the year. That's what I'm shooting for. Mm-hmm. But look at all these Marx Brothers movies sitting in front of me.
1: <laughs> is this the year of Marx Brothers? No, the
0: I'm not Mugger making King any Mom? more pro- <laughs> No, do you know how much shit I got from doing all that on the Discoveries episode? So many people were like, oh, Anthony, my God, what what are you doing? like I was trying to be funny did the joke not come through <laughs> anyway so that's I, why I, like I, that I that's why I, I like wrote it. the article I wrote the 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 column said these are the five which is funny because there're five that I didn't even mention on the show anyways um those are the real ones mm-hmm. Lindsay, what marks do you have their uh filmography in front of you or one of one of their filmographies in front of you
2: Uh yeah I have one of the um I have Groucho's had- up you yeah, have up as well um,
0: um yeah which ones have you seen
2: um i have seen um uh, duck soup obviously um yeah. i've seen um i just watched coconuts today actually just how is that started. one um it's good it feels like a broadway play more than anything else mm. um it's kind of yeah so when you watch sort of animal crackers and you watch duck soup you kind of realize how much more duck soup is a more movie movie which is maybe why the um the musical sequence feel a little bit more muted in that one because I agree, they're ah. not my favorite part of it. Um but yeah, I mean the good urban Berlin uh with the music for that one. I think it was a play originally. Yeah, um, most of their
1: stuff were, were plays originally.
2: Yeah, so they were that's oh, why really? they were so good at walking. Yep. Yeah, because yeah, they, they knew Broadway exactly how to Yeah. The um, Marx brothers
0: were on stage before. They were Broadway movies? stars first. Yeah. Yep.
2: Yeah. Oh
0: shit. I do lots of research for this podcast, obviously, folks. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um yeah, So i've seen yeah uh, uh coconuts um animal crackers uh i've seen horse feathers um monkey business duck soup and um night of the opera i haven't seen a lot of their later stuff which i need to get into like uh a, a day at the races all that kind of thing but it's mostly their that first five run where they were pretty much the king the, of the box office during those those years
0: yeah the early 30s yeah the late mm-hmm. later 30s stuff uh looks interesting because they're working with who's this director on room service William A Sider I just watched mm-hmm. a movie from him oh sons of the desert mm-hmm. okay um yeah what vinny can you tell a difference between the early 30s and later 30s stuff yeah the or, main or, is difference is
1: there... the main difference is when you uh if you're watching it You'll notice in the earlier films, they have these awkward pauses. Uh um, And you'll think, oh, it's the editing, but it actually isn't. It's Groucho being very meticulous about it, saying, in our live show, we'd have to take these breaks for laughter. We have to take these breaks for applause. And we're going to leave those in for when it plays in theaters because people are going to be laughing. And they didn't want to bury jokes because there's so much dialogue in their films. So they would put these pauses. So there would be a scene where Groucho says something funny and then he just stands there and stares. At the person he's talking to but that was leaving room for laughter that was Mm. leaving room for and after the musical numbers there'd be a break too so that's why like they're not as tight where Mm. i think that once you get to duck soup those i think they realize oh we don't have to do that for movies Mm. we don't need to leave those spots in movies we can we can just put a a shot in there to cover it up we can Mm. yeah and so i think that's when they get more into being like having like films versus movie versions of their plays yeah interesting
2: yeah. and coconuts literally have moments where they're just standing still yep. just pausing like they're just like not even i mean as you get later on you can kind of feel them sort of starting to up a bit but it's just amazing how it's like when you go to a broadway show and people are just standing there silence and then they start singing and i was just like yeah. oh yeah that's what they would do at a broadway show but they're doing it on film and it looks kind it of would awkward have been,
1: it would have been crazy to see them on broadway back in the 20s oh. that would have been oh yeah i mean amazing. like doing the yeah. same bits and yeah. yeah wow and that's where they perfected uh, all of those like gags like you know doing doing vaudeville circuit and then they got the broadway show and they'd do that over and over again and then so by the time we got to the movie, they had done it a thousand times. Like the, yeah. the mirror gag. They've been doing that for years. Like, you know, yeah, I mean? like, things like that.
2: It took but. them to only two hours to set up and shoot the mirror gag. Um, yeah. which feels insane to me because the interest that is such an intricate thing, especially because what I love about a Marx Brothers joke, it always goes further from the point that you think it's gonna go. So <laughs> say in the mirror gag, when they're actually like walking around each other and swapping positions in the yeah, in the mirror. <laughs> that's kind of what, like I'm like, oh, oh shit, this is where it starts. We're really working for me it's got taking the joke joke and just like going into the stratosphere with it and because they've done this so many times they could just sit up do it maybe a couple of times and then for safety and then go to lunch <laughs> yep. yeah,
0: two yeah hours the thing with the, scene for that right yeah. yeah uh the thing with the mirror gag is is it, I think that's the beauty of the comedy uh and what you were saying Lindsay is that how long it goes on and so it, you know Seth MacFarlane, obviously a big Marx Brothers fan. And so a lot of, you know, Added there's a lot of that type that. of, right. Yeah. Uh, a, a lot of that sort of comedy in Family Guy, for instance. So like mm-hmm. during the chicken fight in Family Guy, where it just goes on and on and on and on and on. And like, you know, you're laughing at first. And so you're, you're doing this watching the mirror gag, You're laughing at first, um, but also kind of being in awe of them. Like, this is incredible how well they're matching each other. Right. Mm. Um, and then because, uh, you know, I, I, I'd taken theater classes and, and improv classes and, and done the mirror gag. And like, that's, that's one of the warmups, one of the exercises you do. And it's really fucking hard, especially when you don't know, uh, what the other person is going to do. And again, like you're saying, Vinny, these, these gags were perfected by the time Mm. they got in front of cameras but still um, and so it's funny at first and then you're just kind of sitting there in awe and then when Harpo starts to kind of break down and I I'm sure it's all planned out like that Mm. but you you know uh, you get the sense that they're having so much fun doing this and and the fact that that uh, Groucho's back is to the camera so we can't see his face I just imagine him like with this big ass grin on his face staring at his brother who has to keep it together right I'm sure he's not grinning but still you know I like to imagine that um, and, and so by the end when when Harpo's kind of uh, falling apart there and, and with the hats your hysterical laughter is back again uh, but the tightness of them matching each other's arm movements and leg movements. And and then when they go off off screen, quote unquote, right? Mm. And they come they come back in. <laughs> and then Grouch is like, I'm gonna try this. And he goes on the ground, and he crawls mm. in and <laughs> it's so goddamn funny. And I've I saw that gag, you know, a million times way, way before I saw the movie for the first time a few years ago. Uh, so I was well aware of that gag and every time it lands and it seems like it lands a little harder every single time I see it uh, because it's just, it's so amazing to watch.
2: Uh, yeah, especially when Harpo kind of fudges it a little bit throughout, like he does break down and it's kind of like, it's because as the gag is building, but there are moments like when they have the hat behind them and Harpo has a white one, Groucho has a black one, but he doesn't take, the- <laughs> he doesn't do the hat. I don't know. It's just those little things in there when they break the flow of it, but they see still match it. I don't know. It's, it's a feed of physical comedy. And um, I sort of think, oh yeah, this old this whole thing. And then every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, actually wait, this is so cool and so well done.
1: Another little it gag really is- that, I, that I I really really like was the full circle with the lemonade vendor when he comes home and gets into the bathtub. <laughs> oh Harpo, shit! Yes, <laughs> and Harpo slowly comes up out of the water. <laughs> it's so good. And uh, yeah, my my son's like he just keeps he keeps messing with the same guy, and I'm like, yeah, that's that's the joke, but is that it's the same guy, and he comes home to his wife and. Harpos in the uh bathtub. I like think it's it was just such a good little like just just the slowly coming up is so perfect. Love it.
0: Yeah, with with the with the right, with the bugle and he's in his with the bugle, like, yep. With yep. the in the Paul Revere type outfit, yep. right? Mm. Uh yeah, the I I think uh that's the beauty of the Marx brothers is um and now I can't wait because you know, Vinny, your our kids are the our sons are the same age. And so I can't wait to sit Eben down and say, okay, we're going to watch this movie. It's only an hour long. Yep. And um, because, you know, I like, like Rocco, I, you know, I've Eben has, he's uh, fairly well cultured when it comes to movies, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, and he's not afraid of black and white movies. And, yep. um, and so uh, I can't wait to be able to show this to him. Uh, probably not duck soup. I'll show him. Maybe my favorite, *Night at the Opera*, uh, or actually, I, I'll probably end up showing him *Monkey Business* first, um, because the the cabin ga- uh, gag in that, where <laughs> you know the you got the stowaways. Wow, um, am I thinking of? I'm not. I'm thinking of *Night at the Opera* when they get on the steamship. And yeah, they do start
2: weigh a couple of times. The, the, and two boiled eggs is still the funniest thing I think I've ever mm-hmm. done. Right. But how,
0: how they cram all these goddamn people in Groucho's cabin in night at the opera uh, is, is uh, again, it's like, how do they do this? Obviously they're on a, uh, they're on a set, but it's still a very small boxy room that they have to cram all these people. in, And it's so goddamn funny. So anyways, Uh, I would love to be able to – I can't wait to sit down with Eben and show him that.
2: Yeah, um, Uh, I really also love Horse Feathers, which is something I watched for the first time, uh, which is uh, the university football one uh, when Brad Remarks goes to recruit um, two football players, which they need for their failing school, and they get Chico and Harpo. Um, But there's a great moment where he's going to a speakeasy and he's trying to get in with the swordfish uh, gag. Oh, God, it's so good. Yeah, this
0: was one – Let's see, because they 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 still have that nice Marx Brothers box set, right? Is that what you have, Vinny?
1: I have every Marx Brothers everything. Yeah, there's a yeah. Paramount. Their Paramount years, like the first five films. Okay, um, that Blu-ray is usually on sale. Like like every time there's like some kind of sale on Amazon, you can get that thing for like ten fifteen bucks. Okay, which is definitely worth uh, it. Yeah,
0: these are movies. Um... Because they're not like you know on on any of the free streaming services. So, uh, but these are movies that uh, are worth owning because they they're movies that you'll come back to over and over. Yeah. At least me come back to mm-hmm. over and over again because the the comedy is so timeless. Uh, you never get sick of it. Uh, like I said, I've seen the mirror gag you know maybe a hundred times, and it gets better every single goddamn time I see that uh Lindsay, final thoughts on duck soup
2: uh, no i love it it just keeps getting better and i find different things to laugh at like uh when chico and uh harpo um are sneaking or Chicanino and pinky whatever they are are sneaking into the um <laughs> into Dumont's house for the first time making all this noise and then they each pretend to be Groucho, and you oh, just remind so us bad. of how oh, like why are you speaking italian <laughs> um and it is yeah and just the way you remind yourself how much they look like each other that they're because yeah they are able just to step into they in really role. do yeah, yeah especially with the mirror scene i mean you can kind of tell because Harpo's eyes are bugging out but a little bit more but they really do look like a lot like each other so they're just so seamlessly work together that they can just literally swap um personnel or swap um, roles and they could just probably do them really easily and I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I love duck soup. I think it's one of, because there is a political satire element, I can watch that again and again and just get something else. Um,
0: yeah.
2: And just a quick uh, reminder, this is a movie that opens with while they're boiling ducklings. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those true. Those, those ducks are in a pot over a fire. I'm like, Oh my God, well, this is so Looney Tunes. It's not funny, but, um, yeah, I, I love this movie. To
0: death. <laughs> uh, it- uh shit i forgot i was gonna say
1: vinny final thoughts on duck soup yeah i think it's a near perfect comedy and i think you need to watch it again um i think you're wrong i think your opinion is wrong but uh yeah i love the marx brothers and i even like their later stuff i don't i have no no issues
0: that was my question so the the later 30s stuff do they still like chico's plan, sort of this weird italian whatever he is chico guy. is always
1: he's always scheming con man kind of guy in pretty much every single movie. okay Harpo is and, a just anarchic mime and groucho is fast talking
0: kind yeah, of okay. a jerk
1: but yeah, they're, yeah they're they're they knew it worked and they stuck with it
0: um yeah i mean i i have i just have a few quibbles with duck soup but other than that it's It's hysterical. Uh, I really like it. It's just not my favorite Marx Brothers movie.
1: What's wrong with
0: that?
1: (laughs) Nothing wrong. I mean, nothing is wrong wrong with that. But there's nothing wrong with it.
0: Right. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with my opinion (laughs) of this Marx Brothers movie that isn't as funny as the other Marx Brothers. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, uh, I'm zooming through here. A, because uh, PP on the curtains, we're rocking a double header recording tonight. B, uh, I'm really curious. Vinny and I were texting back forth right before uh, recording, um, that he was having a hard time coming up with pairings. Oh my god! So I'm very curious about where we're going with this. Now I have the advantage. Well, no, I've everybody has this because this this book is is public. You know what movies are in this book. I have a spreadsheet where I have all the movies down and I am almost constantly thinking about, Oh, this will go here. This will go here. And so like I've had pairings for duck soup lined up for, you know, two and a half years, however long I've been doing this show. Uh, but then I watched some newer movies or some new to me movies this week. where I'm like, Oh, okay. I think I'm going to use that anyways. <laughs> Uh, I'm always thinking of of pairings, Vinny. I can't believe you're not always thinking of this podcast. It should be the only thing ever on your mind. But Try. Try. Mm. Whatever. Uh, okay, so let's get into this. Lindsay, that's not what I want. I want to go over mm-hmm. here to my list. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck, man. Where's my? Okay, Lindsay. Yeah. Let's get to your first pairing recommendation with Duck Soup.
2: Yeah, this was actually trickier than I thought. Before I went back and watched it, I thought I knew exactly what I was going to pair with it. And then I watched it and went, oh, none of those work at all. (laughs) Um, So I am actually, my first one is, well, I have to go Ernest Slubich, my beloved Ernest Slubich, but I'm going To Be or Not To Be from 1942.
0: I have still yet to see (sighs) To Be or Not To Be. (sighs) I know.
1: Currently on the Criterion Channel.
0: I know. And there's
1: a disc from Criterion.
0: I know. Okay, Lindsay, tell me about To Be or Not To Be.
2: Uh, it's, re- oh God, this movie. It's um, it's so good. It is, and just brazen when you, the fact that this was made in 1942, because I grew up on the remake. I, I know, but it was Marl Brooks and I was 10. Um, It is about a set in Poland, Warsaw, in the uh, 1939, specifically 1939. Uh, and it is a... Shakespeare acting troupe who do, um, I can't remember if they're a comedy troupe or if they're just doing, or they actually are just doing Shakespeare. Uh, the great actors married, uh, the great Carol Lombard and um, Jack Benny, and they are performing Hamlet. It's just every single time that um, Jack Benny is performing the to be or not to be, this young um army officer keeps getting up from a seat and then leaving every single performance. Um, he's actually going to go hang out with his wife, Carol Lombard. Uh, while this is all going on, there is also the invasion of uh, Nazi Germany into Poland, and all the shenanigans go from from there.
0: <laughs> uh, am I reading this right? Robert Stack is yeah. The Robert Stack officer. plays the young young, the young officer. He's,
2: council, yeah. he's such a baby. <laughs>
0: Boy, that's interesting. We uh my wife and I just started the third season of the new mm. Unsolved Mysteries. Mm. Uh, but we always talk about, you know, oh we miss we miss good old Robert Stack here.
2: His his spirit uh, and trench card is still with that shark. <laughs> I don't care what it is. It's
0: right. Yeah. It's so weird uh seeing him younger, even in something like airplane. Um mm. because oh, he's, you like, know, he's like twenty of us. <laughs> Yeah. Right, yeah, you're right. That's what I'm saying. Like airplanes, not like he's he's older, Robert Stack, but uh, you know, because we grew up with him, or at least I grew up with him as the unsolved mystery host, like this creepy mm-hmm. fucking guy that like his voice and his face haunted me uh, for years when I was a child. And then you watch these older movies of with him, uh, it's always funny. Uh, Jack Benny did. Uh, Where's it at? I'm looking for it. He Oh my god, where is it at? He did the short. I can't find it. Never mind. Forget I said anything. Um I don't know if Yeah, I've never seen this. Carol Lombard. I haven't seen any Carol Lombard. Oh, oh, what uh What's the Fre- Frederick March one? Remember the romantic comedy,
1: Nothing Sacred. Mm.
0: Nothing Sacred, right. That one, but I think that's the only other Carol Lombard I've seen. Um, got a lot of catching up to do here. Uh, Ernst Lubitsch, I remember when Daniel went on his a couple years ago, went on like a Ernst Lubitsch thing on cobwebs, or maybe his last year. Uh, what is time? Nobody knows. Um, and it, I was like, I gotta watch more of this guy's movies because. <clears throat> Uh, of course, The Shop Around the Corner is an all-timer for me. But that's the only Ernst Lubitsch I've ever seen. Oh, wow.
2: Oh, you're going to yeah. love Design for Living.
0: <laughs> I know. There's so many. Um, yeah, Clooney Brown. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. He I'm was such really a saucy
2: director. I mean, all his movies are so sexual, even to be or not to be, which is about... A group, an active troop trying to get out of um nazi poland uh nazi invad- right. invaded poland and it is still about an extramarital affair it is all about these other things so i love the fact that the Hayes code couldn't completely clip um ernest Lubitsch. but when you watch design for living or trouble in paradise or the singing lieutenant or smiling lieutenant i mean it is glorious pre-code
0: <laughs> yeah oh it's yeah. so interesting mm. um okay Vinny let's do this let's hear your uh, i i want to hear where you're going i told vinnie he has to go new french extremity and a
1: porno so let's see what he's going to go with, with first it, actually <laughs> actually i don't like either of those genres uh, but i went a little bit more modern as i'm known for choosing mine's from uh, 1995 and that's the film canadian bacon from oh, Michael Moore. oh my
0: god Oh, his, uh, I didn't even think it's only uh, his
1: only narrative feature narrative.
0: Wow. I didn't realize Michael Moore directed this.
1: Yes, uh, basically. I mean, the it's basically uh, wag the dog. But comedy, essentially, uh, America is doing bad. So they create a Cold War with Canada and Canada <laughs> doesn't react the way that they expect Canada to react. <laughs> and uh, It's about the, these like local sheriffs and how they handle it. And it's John Candy and, uh, Rhea Perlman. And, uh, yeah, it's got a great cast of, I mean, uh, Alan Alda plays the president. You have Kevin Pollack, you have Rip Torn, Kevin J O'Connor, Bill Nunn, Jim Belushi, Stephen Wright. Like you have a lot of, um, people playing it, but yeah, it's, it's this, uh, border town, um, going to go to basically just covering the war that they this fake war with Canada that they <laughs> created and uh people hate this movie and I don't know why I think it's a really funny movie I love John Candy and yeah. uh John Candy doing political satire is something that you don't really expect but he, he does it so well but yeah Canadian bacon have you seen this Lindsay
2: yes I have but not for years I need to watch this again because I have a vague memory of it but I thought it was yeah it was oh god I was a teenager so I think I didn't quite understand why they're doing political satire with Canada but I need to I need to watch it again I don't think it was as blunt as say um the South Park movie
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's uh uh I I saw it when it first came to VHS in 95 or 6 whenever that was um I remember almost nothing of it it was you know John Candy was like he was one of our guys right for for kids like it seems like our generation grew up with John Candy movies and and I don't know I don't know about Australia or uh, New Zealand Lindsay but we had a little show called Camp Candy here in the States where it was a summer camp movie where John John Candy was the uh, as a cartoon John mm-hmm. Candy was the counselor camp counselor <laughs> Classic American television. Uh, I love uh, this review here from my friend Joel Edmondston. It says, Big stretch making us see John Candy as anything other than Canadian. (laughs) Crickets, Joel. Crickets. (laughs) Crickets. Crickets. Okay. Uh, uh, For my first one, I'm going with uh, the... Uh, how do you say this like the, the original foghorn leghorn right mm-hmm. um from comedian kenny delmar as uh, senator beauregard Clegg, uh was it claghorn and of course uh, mel blank and looney tunes they did their version of it right with the big rooster mm-hmm. uh this is a movie from 1947 called it's a joke son and uh Kenny delmar developed this this uh, beauregard Claghorn character on the radio and uh this is i don't know if this is the the only but it's the first movie he did as this character and it's i mean it's that you know i i that I'm not gonna do the voices it's uh knives out right it's uh what was gonna say daniel just, just picture
2: um uh daniel craig doing his Leghorn.
0: <laughs> right exactly yeah it's uh it's hayden gilbert doing daniel craig doing yeah. foghorn leghorn right yeah um but so this is a it's another shorty it's an hour long uh i watched on on uh prime it's on mm-hmm. it's available on amazon prime uh but it's this sort of um I don't know, this, he's a very um, W.C. Fields type of character, like, think it's a gift. It's, uh, you know, this guy who has, uh, you know, he's he's kind of, um, he's got this overbearing wife, and he's just trying to keep her happy and stay out of her way, and, and so she wants to run for political office, and, and the local party doesn't want her to, to win the election, so they convince him her husband uh claghorn to run against her and then you know it, it it's just it ruins their relationship and then like you know he all these other people are coming after him because now he's a politician but he doesn't really want to be a politician and um it's very silly if you're not into especially like wc fields you will absolutely despise it's a joke son Um, this would be also a perfect pairing with it's a gift, which we'll be talking about next season. Um, but I wanted to bring it up now because it's only got 69 views on letterboxd and it's available to stream right now. It's on my watch
2: list. So this is happening.
0: I found it to be absolutely hysterical. Um, are we, uh, WC fields fans here? Either of you? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I, a bank dick. I'm still need to warm up to, um, just because the whole that was a bit too much of an overbearing family in that one. But I love it's a gift. Like it's a gift <laughs> is perfection.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, you guys, you guys will really like it's a joke. Son, then, uh, it's very, very funny, and mm-hmm. it's only an hour. Come on. No, but it's like, a you know golden Age on your is
2: like an hour. It's perfect. Yeah. Almost yeah. Mugs Brothers are no. I don't think there's one that's longer than ninety minutes. Yeah. Um, if that, like I think Coconuts is the longest one I've seen.
0: <laughs> All right, Lindsay, I trying to
1: make you laugh.
2: Yes. Right. Exactly. exactly. Right. In in that. That's.
0: Oh. That's right. That's right. All right, Lindsay. Let's get to your second one.
2: Okay, when we're gonna choose? Okay, actually. This is a movie that's only a few years old, so I know this definitely goes against every sort of cult kind of thing, but he is one of my, he is one of my, he is my favorite um, political satirist working at the moment, and that's Armando Inannucci, so I'm going Death of Stalin, which is from 2017. I love this movie. This movie is hilarious. It is literally the fallout over Stalin's death in Russia. Um, The cast is um, amazing. Um the fact that it has Michael Palin in there just lends the mighty, also the not only the Marx Brothersness, but the Monty Pythonness. Um, this says Steve Pasteschini, yeah. um, Simon Russell Beale, who plays the most evil fucker you'll ever meet in a movie. Um, <laughs> Andrew Riseborough, um Olga El- Alinka, I think butchering Br- Br- your name also pops oh. in there. Um, Patty Constantine, uh, as I said, Michael Palin. Um, and it is all kind of Stalin's right-hand men who are just kind of starting to fight for power that um stalin has has left i mean it's got the most perfect opening scene ever when you have this piano concert um playing it's going over the radio and then just as it ends they get a telegraph from stalin saying oh I'd like a copy but they didn't record it on the record so they have to marshal everyone to keep in and trying to convince the piano player to replay this concert so Stalin doesn't like to send every single one to the gulag it's that kind of (laughs) that kind of humor
0: (laughs) yeah I remember when this came out it it, when it was this 2017 yeah it kind Mm. of it had a quiet release it It seemed like it it it, Mm. yeah it, it just sort of slipped by maybe maybe it was a more of a festival type of movie. Definitely um, festival darling, yeah. And it, I it. wanted to see it, but it looks like it's it's streaming mm. easily now. Have you seen it, Vinny?
1: No, this is one that I just haven't gotten around to, and I hate mm. that I haven't. But it is on Tubi, so I'll be watching it mm. soon.
0: Yeah. Very cool. Okay, mm. Uh, hold on a second i want to look at this guy i haven't seen no none of his other movies either what's his name armando
2: he is most known for being the uh showrunner of veep um oh in the thick of it uh so he can make um, a series of swear words sound poetic from being to cup you fuck up um and the fact (laughs) that um veep is just i love i only discovered started watching veep last year and i was like oh my god did you did you finish veep i did i love how monstrous they did.
1: so my issue with veep is when he left the show yeah it takes for me it takes a noticeable left turn
2: oh it does and
1: i don't like it as much without him
2: Mm.
1: and i I still like it but it's like a very noticeable like he clearly his vision and his like his touch was gone and it's very noticeable
2: Oh, yeah they is. just go yeah the last two seasons they're just mean i love the fact that they just let her be a monster they're like well yeah. i mean trump's in office we just might as well let her just go for monster oh. um but it goes from being really funny mean to um like a jolly terrible. green just face to yeah. just people being mean and horrible yeah. to one another i mean oh i yeah, wonder just, if that's they,
0: when we stopped watching because it it, yeah. it did something happened later in the show and it was like it's it's not funny anymore. We're not digging no. this. No, it, so they just he, didn't he had left. Yeah.
2: Yeah. He had left. I think after season three oh, or four okay. or something like that. They, they, yeah, the
1: last two years he wasn't there.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Interesting. Mm. Uh, but goddamn, that's like some of the greatest comedy ever. Those first three seasons are ridiculous.
2: Mm. Yeah, and when like, you watch Death of Stalin, he knows how to. He knows that Stalin's reign was horrific. So there's scenes when they decide, okay, we're gonna stop. It's it's, it's prisoners, but where he shows that is they just this guy's just going up a line with a handgun, just shooting people in the head. And then some guy goes, Oh, by the way, we're stopping, just as he's got a gun to someone's hitting he us, oh, we're stopping. Okay, cool, doesn't shoot him, and just walks away. And you've just got this guy going, <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> that is the kind of humor. And then you put Russell Beale uh, in there. Um Uh, and he is literally playing with the most evil men and they just let him be evil. It's not even funny. Like when you realize what he's doing, you're like, Oh, they are just not, even." they realize not to be funny with that. Everything else around it's funny. And it's, it's kind of incredible.
0: (laughs) Oh man. I can't wait to watch this Mm -hmm. now. Very cool. Um, Okay. Vinny. Let's uh, let's hear what your porno title
1: is. So this actually could work as a porno title, but uh, my (laughs) theme was, Political satires with food titles. So you have duck soup, Canadian bacon, and the last okay. one is from 1971, and that's Woody Allen's film Bananas.
0: You know um, what? This seems yeah. this seems like a very schlock and odd uh, type of deal you got going on here. Very, very good. Very good, Vinny.
1: Mm. Yeah. So very appropriate. Yep. A uh this guy's dumped by his girlfriend. And she's an activist, so he goes to Latin America and sort of, in the most convoluted way possible, ends up becoming part of a revolution because this was a period in time when they were having revolutions all the time in Latin America. And uh, so that's a topical satire. But he ends up becoming the ruler of the country. And uh, yeah, it's, it's very broad comedy, Woody Allen. It's not the... Ingmar Bergman Woody Allen it's not the jazz Woody Allen it's very very silly very goofy Woody Allen which I like that's my one of my favorites eras for him and uh yeah bananas is uh my pick to fit the theme and I think it fits well
0: okay so you you know I think it's well documented on this on this show that I'm a big Woody Allen fan you hate bananas. uh and
1: and that <laughs>
0: That I prefer his dramas right to his comedies, although I like his comedies. Okay, no, like no, 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 ha- that's right. No, 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 no. I yeah, interior like the the darkest. Uh, I haven't seen Bananas, okay. but uh, maybe at the end of this year, I'm I'm starting to regret this idea, Lindsay. But Lindsay and it's Matt Bledsoe and I talked about. <laughs> ranking 100 movies from 1971 bananas well, being 50. on that list 50 <laughs> that's right yeah we're gonna rank yeah we whittled it down. that's right uh i was yeah. walking the dog tonight and i was thinking god that sounds like a really stupid idea so we're gonna reconvene on that Lindsay. okay yeah um but I just seen uh, dirty
2: harry so i was well into the 1971 thing i'm like yes <laughs> yeah i was on a dirty I'm, harry g- high <laughs>
0: <laughs> lot of great, yeah, right, yeah, lot of lot of good seventy one. So I haven't seen Bananas, but I always assumed it was going to be like his, you know, just straight goofy comedy. And I I'd seen uh, everything you want to know about sex, but you didn't learn whatever that title is. Too
2: afraid to ask where it
0: is. Yeah. Two yeah exactly. I fucking hated that movie. And so I'm really nervous to watch Bananas because I don't want to hate it. But it sounds like I'm going to hate it, Vinny.
1: You might hate it. You might hate it. No, but like Take the <laughs> Money and Run is my favorite Woody Allen movie.
0: I haven't seen that, okay.
1: And it's it's the same kind of just broad comedy, like goofy, almost like, uh, like Looney Tunes, Merry Melodies, like little vignettes sure. adding up into mm-hmm. making a full film. Um, and this one has more of a plot than the, a couple of the ones before this, but yeah, I I like him just being as goofy as possible. I think that was a sweet spot for him. You know but what yeah, I, I, I like? It's another person doing a political satire that you're not really expecting to do a political right. satire.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah, you, you, because I, Woody is obviously a big fan of the Marx brothers because a lot of their comedy stylings, especially Groucho enters his, Oh, type yeah. of comedy, right for Woody's mm. the characters that he himself plays. Um, so I could see this. Um, this is a lot of people's favorite Woody movie, um, and but here here's the funny thing: I love Small Time Crooks, which is a goofy comedy. I mm-hmm. mean, it's probably not as wild and crazy as mm. Bananas. So maybe I should give Bananas a try.
1: I mean, there's a scene in Bananas where he he's wearing a fake beard. Right. And he comes to America and there's a translator there. But he's an American, so the American senator is talking to the translator. Who's speaking to Woody Allen, who's responding in English. So it's just three people speaking English back and forth. (laughs) So it's like that kind of goofy.
0: See, You're you're selling it really, really well mm -hmm. here. Yeah. All right. Uh, Lindsay, are, are you a fan of Woody Allen movies?
2: I am actually, I tend to be, okay. like, I tend to like his dramedies, like um, crimes and misdemeanors when you still get sure. at kind of very middle-class bourgeoisie New York, but it's all just incredibly middle-aged men trying to get into things that <laughs> not shouldn't be in, involved in. Um, right. I have seen bananas, um, which as a kid, um, but I haven't seen it since, but I do remember laughing at a little, at a lot. And when Vinny brought yeah. up the translation sequence, and I remember that. Um I also really like, oh, I'm trying to think of the name, Zelig as well, uh, which is kind of Oh. Uh, it, it's kind of one of his later comedies when he is, is was going for Bergman, but he's often putting himself it, but it's really funny, but he's often putting himself in like actual uh, news footage, kind of like a Forrest gump kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And that's really funny as well. That's um a little bit of a satire where you wouldn't expect him to go satire either.
0: Interesting. Yeah, that's one I haven't seen yet. Mm-hmm. Um all right. I don't know, that sounds really fucking funny, Vinny. So you sold me on bananas. Mm. Well, mm. well done. Well done. Well, because so the, the the thing about like the everything you you need to know about sex uh is like it's just so chaotic and it's so weird. Um and I feel like it's very not Woody Allen. Like it 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 it's it it stands alone in my opinion. Mm. Among the films of his that I've seen, which are you know numerous, it stands out as like something completely weird and different. There's something off about uh, it. Mm.
1: There is something off. Like the Gene about Wilder it. scene is hilarious, right? But it yes. doesn't feel like yes. it's a Woody Allen comedy. Exactly. It's almost like a like a Zucker Brothers um feel to it. Yeah, but without being as like not really as parody, but yes, that sort of like that sort of humor yeah oh man but bananas but yeah, bananas bananas sleeper right. take the money and run can't go wrong
0: sweet all right yeah excited about that okay um all right for my last one i just watched it yesterday and i posted uh on twitter that i was watching it, and uh, it seemed like a lot of people are fans of this um recently it was on the video archives podcast roger avery brought it quentin had never seen it uh but it's a favorite of roger's and they Totally sold me on it. It is Tony Richardson's The Loved One from 1965. And um, it it is almost nothing like Duck Soup. But uh, whereas Duck Soup is this uh, political satire in a time like not even political, but just a satire in a time that, that felt, um, it's, I don't know, just, just the, the fact that, that duck soup covered this sort of subject, uh, in the, at the time that it did. Uh, I feel like in the sixties, we get a lot of these really strange satires. And the loved one is one of those, um, Uh, another duck movie, Lord Love a Duck is one of those. Um, I like it. I need to give it another Mm. shot. I mean, uh, Roddy McDowell and Tuesday. Well, hello. (coughs) It's really good, but it's really weird. And so Mm. we get... (coughs) Oh my God, I'm dying. (laughs) Uh, We get these weirdo satires, a lot of them black and white, in the 60s, all right? Uh, I mean, even think... Uh, Romero, right, in 69 comes out, or 68, whenever it is, comes out with Night of the Living Dead. Black and white. He didn't have to shoot in black and white, but it's this commentary, and even uh, you could see it as a very dark satire, right? So anyway, 60s. Full of these types of movies. The Loved One is very strange. You have Robert (laughs) Morse... A very American actor playing a man fresh off the plane from England, so he's he's got this ridiculous English accent. I mean it's it's a good English accent, but he has just arrived in Hollywood from England, and um he has to uh, arrange his uncle's funeral. His uncle has just passed. And he has to arrange his uncle's funeral, and so he meets all these characters, uh, kind of revolving around this funeral parlor. Uh, Jonathan Winters plays dual roles, plays brothers. Um, one is like the the priest or the the reverend pastor, whatever uh, they call him, the holy father, I think. And and then the other is like a, a shrewd businessman. Um, you have, uh, Anjanette Comer playing the, uh, like first ever, uh, female embalmer. Like that's, that's, that's the whole thing. Like it's, it's very important that she's the first ever female embalmer. Uh, (laughs) and then you, you have like James Coburn shows up, Milton Berle, uh, Dana Andrews, like Tab Hunter, I mean, it's a very Hollywood type of movie. So mm-hmm. lots of smaller appearances from all these people, but the main uh, Robert Morris is, is our main mm-hmm. character. But the person that stands out the most in this movie to me is Rod, uh, Rod Steiger. Okay, Rod Steiger from In the Heat of the Night, Rod Steiger uh, as the general in Tim Burton's Mars Attacks. Like uh, I always see Rod Steiger. As uh, sort of a man's man, right? He's he's uh, kind of you know really reminds me of Lawrence Tierney, kind of this rough and tumble, this this gruff man's man. And in the loved one, he's playing the um, like the the embalmer, the 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 mortician, the guy that you know does the makeup and everything, gets the bodies ready, um, and he's playing this very femme character and it it seems at the time sort of taboo dangerous and it's not um it's you don't feel like they're making fun of gay people or or effeminate men Mm. um it just it it feels like it's a very dangerous choice to be playing the character like this anyways uh rod steiger's character name in the loved one is joy boy
2: yeah, I saw that. I was ready for you to bring it out. <laughs> Joy Boy. Get the castles going. Rod Stoy is playing what now?
0: <laughs> Joy Boy. Yeah. And he lives with his mother, uh, played by, oh, who the fuck is his mom? Uh, Margaret Layton. And she is, is that right? I think that's right. No, Eileen Gibbons. Mm. Eileen Gibbons plays his mom. And very large lady, Eileen Gibbons but she's like this bedridden, very obese. Like all she does is watch commercials and eat lots of disgusting, greasy food. And so like, and he, uh, he, he dotes on her. Like he, he is uh, serving her at, at her every whim. Now, Rod Steiger's character isn't even like he's tertiary, but he is definitely the most memorable out of this movie. Um, the whole thing is about Robert, uh, Robert Morris trying to get his his uncle buried. Anyway, so this this business tries to take over the mortuary, and what are they going to do with the with the you know with the cemetery and the bodies and blah blah blah. Um, it's this very interesting, almost dangerous feeling satire uh, about maybe corporations moving in on you know literal sacred spaces, but but places where corporations really don't belong, like just leave these places alone. So um it's a really interesting, very funny satire. Um Again, nothing at all like Duck Soup, but I really loved The Loved One. Vinny, you have, have you seen it? You saw it,
1: right? I watched this on Halloween 2018. I just looked it up to see, because I'm like, I definitely watched it. I remember it feeling very long um, it is
0: it's it's two hours long
1: yeah like too long
0: mm-hmm.
1: like not everything worked for me and uh yeah but I, like, then again if this was you know four plus years ago so maybe I'll like it more this time but I'll give it another and, shot and, th- and that's I the thing like it, it
0: it feels like Tony Richardson is doing something strange, something I keep saying the word dangerous, but you know, um, and and then you look at Tony Richardson's filmography, it's such a varied, um, filmography, so many different types of movies Got these, you know, these, uh, satires from the sixties. And then you get to 1982 and he does this, this border cop movie with, with Jack Nicholson, um, you know, he, he does all these sorts of different movies. And so it, it does feel a little, um, not jumbled. There's just a lot going on. There's so many different characters. Mm. Um, and some of it works, some of it doesn't. It is a little long, but uh, it's it's really weird and interesting. Lindsay, have you seen this?
2: No, it's on my watch list now. Have you ever seen a movie called uh, That's No Way to Treat a Lady? Or no. no Way to Treat a Lady. Um, yeah, and Rod oh, Steiger's no also lady. in it um, playing a, well, a very Boston uh, Strangler-esque mm. killer, because it's uh, George uh, George Siegel who's um, trying to find, essentially, the Boston Strangler. And, yeah, Rod Steiger plays it, but he every time he uh, kills someone, he dresses up into someone else, and there is one sort of very effeminate hairdresser. Um, but because he's Rod Steiger, he can't do a subtle. So <laughs> he just... I, it, he's, so every time he comes, walks into the room he's just like this, the biggest character ever and um, it's it makes it a weird movie because of it but yeah, that's what I was just sort of thinking of I was like, oh, that sounds a little like well, a portion of um, No Way to Treat a Lady
0: <laughs> Yeah, oh, I have weird. never seen No Way <laughs> to Treat a Lady um, Yeah, it's
1: like a dark comedy version of, of Boston Strangler Yeah and it oh, cool. completely works for me mm. it is, nice. It's It's just letting Rod Seiger just go for it
2: Oh, he goes for gold.
1: (laughs) He plays like a priest. He was a plumber. He played like it's different. All these different characters Mm -hmm. to try to get into these women's homes.
0: I feel like Rod Steiger is. um, It feels like nowadays he's sort of an underappreciated actor. I feel like people don't talk about him enough and you look at his Mm -hmm. filmography and it's like, Jesus Christ. Um, I mean, even in something like Duck, You Sucker uh, or uh, what's the. You'll never forget him
2: a wander. ducky sucker ever. Right, <laughs> it,
0: it's,
2: because, uh, like it's... it's
1: because he overacts. It's because yeah. he he you know he chooses on the scenery that it's people are very dismissive of him. But like yeah, you can you can act like that because you're a good actor.
2: Exactly.
1: So when when he right. tones it down, he's brilliant. Mm. But I I True. like it when he's going for, like just going mm. for it like January yeah Man, me too like things like that like where mm. he's just. Like I'm here, like that, like I love it, and right, big knife, and things like that, like where he's just, just having fun with it,
0: yeah. I mean, just this filmography is ridiculous. Uh, So many interesting movies here from. Anyways, all right, that is our pairings. Those are our pairings. I know how to speak. Leave me alone. Um. All right, Lindsay, where can people find you online nowadays?
2: Uh, they can find me at uh, all, Schlockenall. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's on, on all the apps. You can also fo- follow Schlockenol one on Twitter and Instagram and Reading Geek on Twitter as well.
0: And Vinny, where can people find you?
1: Uh, on Twitter it's VinnyButBetter and there's links to my letterbox and YouTube on there and I'm not allowed to mention the other social media platforms so I won't. <laughs>
0: Are you even <laughs> active
1: on those Vinny? No, I'm barely active on Twitter.
0: Yeah, that's true. Oh, you're active mm-hmm. enough. Yeah. Uh you find this show on Twitter and Instagram at Colt Movies Pod. You can follow me. My name is Anthony King at AK Donnelly. That's A K D O N E L L Y on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Mm. And uh support the show on Patreon, if y'all to. That's how we mm. say it in Nebraska. If y'all to. And mm. uh, you know, a dollar a month for a couple couple bonus shows. We got uh Thelma Ritter coming up we're gonna talk about some Thelma Ritter movies (gasps) oh yes yeah 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 yeah. Vinny made me watch one that I wasn't too pleased about but we'll get there (laughs) um and uh what else that's the end of this season we're gonna be back in you know four weeks six weeks eight weeks I don't know Vinny, Vinny's going to roll the dice, and 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 uh, no. it's it's up to him. Actually, we got to talk to the boss. The boss is the boss. Yeah, the boss makes all the reasons. Decisions. Yeah, she's she's the boss, Kristen. Um. Anyways, thank you all for listening, and thanks for your support, Lindsay. Thanks for sending us out on such a such a high note.
2: Oh, thank you for having me. This is absolutely delightful.